This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to episode 30 of the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. And today, a new reviewer joining us for the first time, Katrina Clifford, the Dean of Academics at Robert Menzies College at Macquarie University. Welcome, Katrina. It's nice to have you with us today. Thanks, Katrina. It's great to be here. So in this, our 30th episode, we are going to be enjoying one of our favourite genres, murder mysteries. Natasha has been reading The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, best known as the presenter of the BBC One TV show Pointless. This is a charming murder mystery set in a peaceful English retirement village. Katrina Clifford enjoyed Magic for Liars, a murder mystery set in a school of magic with a less than scrupulous lead detective. And I've been reading the latest Jane Harper mystery, The Survivors, set in coastal small town Tasmania. Plus, we're going to discuss the most outrageous setting that we would like to read in a murder mystery. And look, if you'd like to join in the conversation or share your thoughts about one of the books we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, bookclub at hopemedia.com.au or text in 0448 40 2020. But first, let's take a listen to The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. I was at lunch. This is two or three months ago and it must have been a Monday because it was shepherd's pie. Elizabeth said she could see that I was eating but wanted to ask me a question about knife wounds if it wasn't inconvenient. I said, not at all, of course, please, or words to that effect. I won't always remember everything exactly. I might as well tell you that now. So she opened a manila folder and I saw some type sheets and the edges of what looked like old photographs. Then she was straight into it. Elizabeth asked me to imagine that a girl had been stabbed with a knife. I asked what sort of knife had she been stabbed with and Elizabeth said probably just a normal kitchen knife, John Lewis. She didn't say that but that was what I pictured. Then she asked me to imagine this girl had been stabbed three or four times just under the breastbone. In and out, in and out, very nasty, but without severing an artery. She was fairly quiet about the whole thing because people were eating and she does have some boundaries. So there I was imagining stab wounds. And Elizabeth asked me how long it would take the girl to bleed to death. By the way, I realised I should have mentioned that I was a nurse for many years. Otherwise, none of this will make sense to you. I think before I moved in, I might have found this whole conversation unusual. But it is pretty par for the course once you get to know everyone here. Last week, I met the man who invented mint choc chip ice cream, or so he tells it. I don't really have any ways of checking. I was glad to have helped Elizabeth in my small way, so I decided I might ask a favour. I asked if there was any way I could take a look at the picture of the corpse, just out of professional interest. Elizabeth beamed the way people around here beam when you just ask to look at pictures of their grandchildren graduating. She slipped an A4 photocopy out of her folder, laid it face down in front of me and told me to keep it, as they all had copies. I told her that was very kind of her, and she said not at all, 
but she wondered if she could ask me one final question. Of course, I said. Then she said, are you ever free on Thursdays? And that, believe it or not, was the first I had heard of Thursdays. The Thursday Murder Club is a character-driven murder mystery about four septuagenarians living a peaceful life in a retirement village. These four unlikely friends meet each week in the jigsaw room to discuss unsolved murders. When a local developer is brutally murdered, then the bodies start piling up. The four friends put their skills to the test to solve the mystery. G'day, Natasha. Hey, how you doing? Good. This sounds like great fun did you it really is it's a lot of fun I it's one of those ideas that you're like oh I really hope this is awesome because it has so much potential um and you know he is a comedian and writer anyway so you'd kind of expect him to be entertaining but yeah it was it was kind of delightful in that you know cozy English murder mystery kind of way awesome and can you tell us a bit about the four main characters yeah, so you have um the book actually starts out being told by one of the members of the Thursday Murder Club, Joyce, who is a retired nurse, um, and she kind of gets drawn into this somewhat oddball bunch of, they say they're not friends, but they are actually friends, but they think of themselves as, you know, they're the Thursday Murder Club. Um, so Elizabeth is really the driver of the group and she, you never, you don't really quite find out what she's to do for work, but um she was clearly something quite mysterious. She has a lot of contacts in random places like Interpol. Ibrahim was a psychiatrist and Ron is kind of red Ron Ritchie. He was a union leader or something um, and he's kind of a real tough guy, belligerent. Um, and, you know, there are all these retirees in this very upscale uh, retirement kind of village, which sounds quite delightful. And they have a lot of fun together, are a lot of fun. But they kind of do this specific thing where they meet on Thursdays. I think it's between um, contemporary French conversation and art history or something. And they call their booking in, you know, the library or whatever the space is, um, Japanese opera, a discussion, so that nobody will join them ever. (laughs) (laughs) But then, of course, um, a real-life murder happens at the village And so they decide to put themselves on the case. And those are not really the only characters. Like they're kind of our focus, but you also get things from the perspective of um, a young female police officer who's come up from London to this sleepy community and the kind of older middle-aged guy um, and the, the ways that the police kind of interact and a bit bemused by these oldies who keep kind of inserting themselves into the investigation. Well, I was wondering, is there a sort of a particular incident or a connection that drags them into this case in the beginning? Yeah, so it happens, you know, at there where they live um, and actually... I don't want to give away too much, but one of the murders happens kind of in front of everyone. They're all kind of witnesses um, to an extent. Um, And so they are witnesses. They're going to be interviewed, but they also find ways of um, particularly of leveraging their age to get themselves included in things. So they're perfectly capable of like faking um, more forgetfulness than they actually experience. And they're quite masterful at um, getting the police to sort of tell them things that they maybe shouldn't necessarily. So they're, they're really fun. 
characters. Yeah, I was all. wondering if the retirement village setting and the age of the characters plays into the story in a few different ways. Yeah, it does. And I mean, one of the things, like it is, as I said, cosy and delightful and it's very witty. There is a kind of um, an element of sadness to it all because, you know, there is a sense of them kind of staving off death, dementia, uh, the things that come around fairly often in a community of elderly people. Um, and, in fact, Joyce is kind of replacing um, one of the original members of the club who is now kind of in more hospice care because she, you know, is no longer all there. Um, and so there's a real and there are there's quite a lot of death, not just the murder, but, um, you know, people die in retirement villages. And so there is that kind of... Um, the reflection in an oblique way on what it means to kind of get old and to kind of be useful or to not feel useful. Um, and, and you do feel that they in some ways make their age a bit of a superpower um, rather than a disadvantage. And I really liked that. Yeah, I like that a lot. It sounds like it's a very light and charming book, but with some of these deeper sort of themes around ageing and how we view that. So, um you know, I think with the murder mysteries, Natasha, it all comes down to the ending. Is it satisfying? <laughs> you know, is it believable? Do all the loose ends come together? What was your view on that? Yeah, this kind of made me reflect actually on why a murder mystery solution works or doesn't work in that you need a couple of things and those sorts of those things are potentially intentions. So you really want um, to be surprised. Even if you've kind of guessed it, you're like, oh, I didn't quite see how all those pieces fit together. And there should be an elegance to that, a kind of I didn't see it, but now it's brought into focus. It's like, oh, it all fits and it's really satisfying. Um, and I think I was surprised. Like I had the satisfaction of being like, oh, I picked that a bit earlier than they told me. But also it was quite a complicated solution and kind of there was a lot more going on than I sort of expected. So a few reviews I read said the ending was convoluted or that they had trouble following all the pieces of it. I think that would be fair. It was not kind of the most elegant solution that I've come across in a murder mystery. But, you know, that being said, it's the first book of what I hope will be a series because, you know, I really liked these characters and I will be happy to revisit Cooper's Chase, their retirement village, anytime Richard Osman wants to write another one. I couldn't help noticing that it was labelled as book one, so that definitely hints at a series. I like it. That sounds fun. Thanks, Natasha. And now to you, Katrina Clifford, first-time book club reviewer. It's great to have you with us. Um, So you've been reading Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. This one's a murder mystery set in a magic school, Hawthorne Academy for Young Majors. So the main character, Ivy Gamble, is a private investigator. How does she get dragged into this magical world? And is she magical herself? Yeah, so... Ivy is a twin. Her twin sister, Tabitha, was identified as being magic as a teenager. Uh, So Ivy is not magic, but Tabitha is. And as teenagers, their lives went in very different directions. Uh, So Ivy was kind of stuck in low socioeconomic California at a grotty state-funded high school, uh, living with her parents who her mum was sick 
Tabitha, on the other hand, got whisked away to a magical academy, kind of the equivalent of a super fancy private school with all of the privileges and all of the advantages. And all of that idea of she was special because she was magic. Uh, And so the sisters have been estranged kind of since that point in time, uh, not really talking very much, only kind of talking through their parents. But they're still sisters. And so when a murder or perhaps not a murder, some sort of strange death occurs in the school where Tabitha is now a teacher. Uh, The magical police deemed this to be an accident. Uh, Someone was experimenting with theoretical magic and it went wrong. But the head teacher doesn't believe this outcome. And so goes to find Ivy, who has become a private investigator. She mostly looks into insurance fraud and cheating spouses. Uh, And so very kind of low-level petty crime. Uh, But the head teacher realises that Ivy both has kind of the skills as a private investigator and some sort of knowledge and connection to the world of magic. And so invites her to come along to this uh, Osthorne Academy to investigate this suspicious death and try and get to the bottom of what has actually happened. Okay, so when you hear about this premise, you could be expecting a murder mystery in Hogwarts type of story. Um, But what is the School of Magic like in this book? Yeah, in some ways it's got a lot of things in common with Hogwarts. Particularly the picture of Hogwarts we get from all of the movies is it's very grand and very special and very privileged. You look at all the classrooms and all of the boarding rooms and the dining room, it's all very lavish uh, and very wealthy. Uh, And so Osthorne is similar to that. There's a great description of it early in the book where Ivy's driving towards Osthorne and notices that the, the grounds are enormous and actually much bigger than fit into the geographical space in which the uh, the school is located. So it's clearly got magic going on even with the grounds, that they've somehow managed to expand the grounds. But it's lush and it's gorgeous. Uh, it aches it of privilege. But the students themselves are high school students. Uh, and I think this is a really key difference between the school in this book and Hogwarts, that, you know, Harry Potter has his, you know, adolescent issues but you don't see graffiti on the walls in Hogwarts. You don't kind of get the sense of kids bullying each other, except for Malfoy probably who's supposed to be the baddie. You don't get that kind of low-level teenage angst, the fighting over who likes who more. Uh, so it's a it feels like a much more realistic high school where the kids kind of come in very excited about spells and magic and by the time they're in about, you know, their third or fourth year there, it's all a bit... Uh, like whatever, um, magic's just one of those subjects that we need to study. Uh, so it's similar, but but with some kind of key distinctive differences, I think. Okay, so what did you enjoy about this one? Yeah, I liked a bunch of things about this. I really liked Ivy. She's a bit of a polarising character. So I've read a pile of reviews of people who just didn't like her, thought she was whingy and annoying. Um, I found her really fascinating, partly because she's really playing into the... Um, the genre of noir fiction, right? So she's a a noir detective, kind of like um, Sam Spade, if you've read The Maltese Falcon or seen any of those movies from way back. So she's gritty and kind of doesn't have her life together. She smokes too much and drinks too much and can't hold down a relationship. She's a bit of a loner. Uh, And she's clearly looking for, for something, looking for who she is, how to kind of explain where her life has gone, somewhere to belong, someone to belong to. Um, and this, 
opportunity pops up to kind of join her sister's world and she goes in, doesn't tell anybody in the school that she's not magic. They all assume that she is because she's got this magical sister that they all know. Uh, And so watching her kind of navigate that, how much do I need to tell people the truth and how much can I pretend to be somebody else and pretend to have a better life than I have? So I really liked that. I liked the way it played with a whole lot of conventions. So it plays with the detective noir fiction conventions, also plays with a whole lot of the fantasy conventions. So there's a prophecy about a chosen one and all these questions about, you know, is it the brother or the sister in the family who's the chosen one? I quite liked the teenage angst element to it. Uh, I don't have teenagers yet and so that's not part of my lived experience, but kind of going back and, and looking at that was quite fun as well. Um, and I found it a really a really intriguing mystery as well. Okay. Uh, there's this this body found in the library that's been literally split in half down the middle. And so clearly it's magic. Uh, but how how did the body get there? Nobody saw the person go into the library. Nobody knows who was there. Nobody knows how exactly it's happened. Uh, and I thought that it was quite convincingly done, actually. Hmm. Well, I read a review that said um, this book is about the lies we tell ourselves. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. That's certainly true about Ivy. I think she's certainly lying to herself about her own satisfaction with her life, uh, about how she feels about her relationship with her sister, how she feels about kind of where she's gotten and what she's achieved. I think it's a pretty common kind of teenager thing to be pretending to be someone you're not. And so kind of entering that high school environment brings all that to the surface as well. So does Um, she grow at all in the course of the book, given that, I mean, she is quite amoral in some ways? Does anything change for her? I think there's potential. Um, This is something that people argue over. Uh, It's not entirely clear whether by the end of the novel she has changed. It's not an amazingly redemptive novel, but I think there's hope there. And I think at the very least she has processed what happened between her and her sister and processed those feelings of jealousy and anger towards her sister in a way that she never had. Uh, and so I think there's there's genuine growth happening there, but she's certainly not a perfect character by the end of it. She's got a long way to go yet. And so were you happy with the ending? I was actually. I didn't see the conclusion to the mystery coming, although looking back I could see how the clues had been laid. I thought, oh, that's why they made such a big deal over that piece of paper. Now I understand. Yeah. Uh, so I found that convincing. So mm. I think this was surprising enough, uh, but very much in line with uh, the direction the novel had been going. Okay. Well, we've had uh, so far in this episode two very different and really fun and interesting settings for a murder mystery. We've got a magic school and a retirement village. So I thought, you know, I think crime fiction these days is all about setting. What do you think would make a great setting for a murder mystery? Let's start with you, Natasha. Oh, I have so many thoughts about this. So, because I was like, oh, you know, what's the most like unlikely kind of setting? And a lot of murder mysteries actually trade on that contrast between, and which is the idea of the cozy murder mysteries. It's like, oh, it's a sleepy village, but murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, what's the most, you know, like the International Space Station or something like yeah. sort of talk about locked room mystery but then I was like maybe the opposite would be cool um like somewhere where 
there's actually death and destruction all the time and then a murder happens in that. So I was thinking like World War One trenches kind of thing. Yeah. Like why would you murder someone in that context when people are kind of dying? And I may be a little bit, I swear I thought of that myself, but then I realised that I am currently reading a murder mystery that is set in the Blitz. No. So, like, <laughs> not that original. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking about institutions because I was thinking about the retirement village. I was thinking like a hospital maybe, you know, where people Ooh, yeah. are dying. and already. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. The and forest, I, seeing the trees for the forest or whatever. Yeah, mm. and I was thinking also the people that you can never blame. So I was thinking what about if it was in like a disabled care home or something like that Ooh. or a setting you would not expect. I was thinking, oh, of like a holiday resort where everyone's absolutely just having a ball. And you have like the different kind of demographics bringing mm. them together. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts, Katrina? Yeah, so I kind of immediately went for the what is a kind of closed off location where people are stuck. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe an Antarctic research station. Oh, you know, yeah. You easily get in or out. And, <laughs> you know, just a group of people who are they're all there because they're scientists or doing a job, but they don't necessarily have anything in common. Um, the other thing I thought of, which is not my idea at all, because I've read a bunch of them, uh, are crime novels that are set inside novels and so you kind of take a Jane Austen novel which is not you know there's there's very little crime that happens actually in Jane Austen what happens if you take mm-hmm. Mansfield Park and someone murders Fanny Price oh no <laughs> which is just I think, a fabulous premise for a book many um, people have wanted to murder Fanny Price yeah, yeah surely <laughs> yeah. yeah which is why like there's the, an author called Lynn Shepard has actually written a book called Murder at Mansfield Park in which Fanny does get murdered um, and they kind of bring in a thief catcher from London to try and, and work out who it is in this. Kind context. of amazing how compatible Austin and murder actually turn out to be. Yeah, yep. <laughs> surprisingly compatible. The intricacies of um, and the tensions between neighbours and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and it's that very Agatha Christie thing, isn't it? The, you know, the manor house is the classic setting for a murder mystery and everybody's related to everybody and everybody's connected to everybody and who is the person who, you know, didn't return their drinks cup to the drinks train <laughs> and everybody's very polite on the surface polite society mm. but what's bubbling all the secrets underneath, underneath. well mm. a monastery can work well for that too yeah mm. also yeah. been done yeah, mm. yeah I'm sure. I'm sure. i mean is there a setting that hasn't been done <laughs> a bible college i mean has anyone done that oh time for um some theological crime <laughs> novels <laughs> Okay. Well, I have been reading a a book that's in a far more kind of realistic setting, I guess. Uh, I was reading The Survivors by Jane Harper. And this is set, you know, on the coast of Tasmania. So small town setting again, very cozy. Everybody knows everyone. Everyone's history is shared, definitely. Lots of bad weather. Yeah, lots of bad weather. It's all based around a storm, Natasha. Oh. Have you read it? No. <laughs> I have not. I haven't read any Jane Harper. Have you read all of all Jane Harper? Is this, is this the third one? Uh, it's the third one I've read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't read Force of Nature because everyone said it was like the dry but not as good. How about you, Katrina? 
I've read The Dry and I've read this new one, The Survivors. I didn't read the two. Oh, I really like The Lost Man. The ones that I've read. That was really good. Okay. But basically, this is like a murder mystery without a detective. So, I mean, there is a policeman, but he's not really acting as the detective in the story. It's one of just the characters. We're kind of seeing it all through his eyes. And the main character is called Kieran Elliott. So, he's a young man. He's returned to his hometown with his girlfriend and his young baby to help his parents pack up their house. So his father has dementia and they need to leave this small town. But Kieran has all this trauma in his past. So his older brother, Finn, was killed on the night of this dreadful storm 12 years prior. And to some extent, he's taken the blame for that. Although it's never clear that he's actually responsible entirely for his brother's death. But on that same night, another girl disappeared, Gabby Birch, and her body was never found. And it was kind of just written off that she must have been taken by the sea because her backpack turned up. But there's always been question marks over that. And so when another backpacker called Bronte, that was distressing. I have a daughter called Bronte, so I didn't like the Bronte being the murder victim. But anyway, um, when she's killed on the beach, it brings back memories of what happened to Gabby. And there's always this sense that maybe these two deaths are connected somehow, although you can't really see how they possibly could be. What I liked about this is it had really interesting themes of like coping with past trauma and ideas about toxic masculinity and like the social pressure to conform that comes with living in a um, small town. Yeah, I have an idea that, I mean, you guys tell me because I haven't read any Jane Harper, that her picture of kind of human nature is fairly bleak, that her books are quite bleak. Am I, is that off base? I would say less so in this one. I'd say most of the characters in this, I mean, yeah, they've done some stupid things when they were younger, but they're pretty likeable. What do you reckon, Katrina? Yeah, I think there's a really strong theme of how hard it is to overcome your past in a lot of her books and I think that makes a lot of her characters seem, I mean, they are quite complex characters because you don't just kind of get them as they are now. You kind of see this traumatic thing happened when they were a teenager and they brought that with them and how they're trying to process that and how that has shaped their moral stance and shaped their identity and shaped how they relate to people so she's certainly not a here are the good guys and here are the bad guys kind of simplistic writer I think she's she's much more like nuanced about much it. more interested in the complexities of of being human than that so um, and I mean certainly a lot of her characters are morally flawed in all sorts of different ways and like this this but these ones were less so i felt i felt they were more relatable the the two main characters they were more kind of just typical normal people but who had been through quite extreme things one the wife has lost her best friend as a child and he'd lost his brother and they Mm -hmm. have a lot of therapy and i thought it was interesting the way the therapy comes into their thinking you know that you start to see the influence of the therapy and the things that they're telling themselves yeah, yeah. I'm kind of thinking of, you know, Kieran's mum and how she's kind of shut him out as a way of processing trauma. Ash and Sean and kind of that whole boys club that yeah. they've got going on, the stories they tell about Finn. And so so did, yeah. did either of you pick the ending? Oh, no, I didn't pick the ending. I, I thought from, like, page 100 that I knew what had happened and I was completely wrong. Oh, was it a satisfying ending? But uh, this is the thing. I wouldn't say I was 100% satisfied with the ending. I was looking at his motivation and going to me, oh, I just don't think he had enough of a reason to act in the way that he did. Yeah, it's it's not in character enough 
I think. Yeah, we can't say much more without giving it away. So. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> but I don't think. How can I, can I use a, a prepos- Like, can I use a pronoun? Here no, I probably shouldn't. I probably no, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Um, but what I would say is, I think getting that balance between, you know, it, the surprise and the satisfaction. There's a payoff there. You know, she achieves the element of surprise because you didn't see it coming, but then when you look back, you kind of go, "Really? Oh, I'm not sure if I can buy that." So. Yeah, I think that's the payoff with that one. But definitely the great thing about this book is that the human story I found satisfying and interesting while still very much being a murder mystery that you actually did want to know what happened. Mm. I thought the sense of place was great as well. You got a really good sense of what does it mean to live Setting is very important. Setting is very important. She pulled off the setting well, I thought. Totally pulled up. But I haven't lived in a small country town on the coast of Tasmania, so I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> we were convinced. But, yeah, <laughs> she sold that it. That sense of, you know, it's a tourist town and so over summer it kind of swells and all of these outsiders come in and then at the end of summer everybody leaves and it's back down to the kind of yeah. 500 people who normally live there. And so there's lots of talk about... Well, obviously, this murder must have been committed by someone who came from outside. It couldn't possibly be one of us. But all these tourists who come in, you never know where they come from. And so you get this quite interesting dynamic forming between the the regular kind of um, long-term townspeople yeah. um, and the outsiders. And Kieran's kind of a bit of both because he grew up there, but he's gone to live in Sydney. Uh, he's come back purely to help pack up his parents' house and then leave again. So what is he? Is he an insider? Is he an outsider? How does he fit? Katrina, that perfectly captures my life because I come from a small town. I've been in Sydney for years and I go back and you're kind of a local, but you're kind of not. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, well, look, guys, thanks for the the chat today. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed Episode 30 of the Hope Book Club. In this murder mystery episode, we have reviewed The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Katrina reviewed Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey and we talked about The Survivors by Jane Harper. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You can email bookclub at hopemedia.com.au or text in 0448 40 2020. Thanks for listening to the Hope Book Club because life's just better with a book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.